This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the church boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. What happened to your shoes? Well, my dad, who's over here, was... <laughs> you. What happened? You walked I out of the, the door. front door. Take, let the and dog as out. I opened the front door, I stepped out, and I stepped onto a toad. A toad? Then you yelled. And I stepped Oh my back. gosh, I stepped on a toad. Oh my goodness, I just stepped on a toad. So I opened the door and stepped back in the house, and the toad hopped jumped in the into house. into the house. And then as... And then I took your shoe. Well, it jumped into my shoe. Yes. And then I took it outside, and as I dumped it onto the ground, you said, "Oh my gosh, there's liquid!" Came out behind it. <laughs> there's liquid. It peed in your shoe. It peed in my oh shoe. My it peed God. in his shoe. So now I'm shoeless. You're shoeless. I have toad You're urine sho- in my shoeless Billy. Toad urine in my shoe. <laughs> what are the odds that pee in my shoe? Only in Rochester. Only in I'm not kidding. My life. Yeah, it was my life. Great. So there's there's the excitement of a Billy Hallowell holiday weekend. I was glad I was able to train that toad. Uh, so, uh, you know, so that was was that the highlight of your weekend of uh, what? And, but it's welcome it to the church boys. It justice. Welcome to the it church boys. It's Chris and Billy and blah blah blah. So that opening click was something that was shared with me, shared to me on Facebook. Well, Billy put it up there, and and Pedro was sure to point out that I needed to make sure that this was used appropriately. And so that <sighs> is this the highlight of your weekend. It definitely was because it the the discussion about it doesn't do it justice. It really doesn't because it happened so fast. I, I mean, the toad hopped in the house, went into my shoe, and and urinated. I mean, like <laughs> flat out urinated. Filled your shoe and, with frog pee, and it was a ton of pee. It wasn't just like a little pee. It was a lot of pee, and you know, so then I was shoeless, and, and we tried to wash it and get it out, but. It was the most ridiculous thing. It really was. Are you sure now with the, considering the amount of pee you say it came out, are you sure that perhaps a family member of yours didn't pee in your shoe and then put the frog and toad in there and then blame the the I saw the, the whole thing happen. I saw the whole thing. Okay. Cuz I I would have peed in your shoe, frankly. <laughs> well, even know you've been known to do that. <laughs> so so what did you? Uh, people are interested, Billy. They're clamoring to know what you did over the Fourth of July. See, you you spent time with your family, and no one burst into flames, which was good. I went to Rochester, New York, and we hung out. My parents played with the kids. It was nice. It was just like a a hangout time, and of course, eating because that's what you do on the Fourth, eating and right. but literally just hanging out and having a good time, and and it was relaxing, which was nice. Oh, so, oh, so glad. And Andrea, Andrea is doing well. 
She's doing well. She's home for the summer now, so right. she's yeah, because she's a teacher, so she's out of the classroom, home, um, and <laughs> so, you know we've been p- packing to go on a vacation. So, so if we hear if we hear during the show today, <laughs> we know that that's Andrea. Then that yes, right? okay. yeah, in okay. the in in the teacher voice from Charlie Brown. Yes, <laughs> that's not that's not the high pitched first wife Italian voice. The other day, she said, "Let's listen to your podcast." When we were in the car, oh no! And I and I, it was the episode where I I said oh, no. the whole thing about doesn't your wife ever, you know, oh, no. <laughs> ever say that she told you something when she didn't, you know, that whole thing? And I was like, "Oh, let's listen to this maybe a different one, different channel. <laughs> let's listen to anything else." <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad you've recovered from the from the toad incident. That was, and I heard you had your own uh, version of a toad incident. <laughs> no. God. Tripped over a toad, I guess? No, I'm just old and stupid. So, okay, I spent my life laughing at my mother, who B- Billy met last week and claims that she's a lovely person. So my growing up, my mom would fall down. All, not fall down, but she, like, she took tumbles downstairs frequently. I mean, she would fall. We hear this bang, 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 bang. We go and look, and there's mom having fallen down, slipped down some stairs in the front room or down into the basement. <laughs> I laughed every time, and I still do because I'm that's the kind of son I am. And so just a few years ago, she had to have rotator cuff surgery because she took a spill carrying, helping my, my sister, oh, at the holidays or something, move some stuff in or out of her car out the front steps and slipped and boom and landed on the sidewalk and, and tore a rotator cuff and had to have surgery and everything. And it was, I felt bad for her. I still would have laughed if I'd have seen it happen. But, um, so I, I pulled a Janie. That's my mom's name. I pulled a Janie as I was bringing our two-year-old downstairs on the morning of the 4th of July. We have these in one part of it. We have two sets of stairs that go upstairs in the in the, the front part of the house and then the, and then the middle part of the house. These are the, um, well, these are the servants' quarters stairs here on this part of the house here. And these tall, narrow, I mean, super steep, narrow stairs. And I was carrying the two-year-old down the stairs and she's just sitting there happy as can be. And about two-thirds of the way down, I, my, just my heel hits one of the steps and I slip and I go, and I go airborne. And the only thing I can think is, and you know, everything just starts to slow down in your mind as you process things is I have to keep my daughter from being killed. So I just (laughs) grab her and I pull her completely in front of me and wrap, and wrap her up with both arms. Right. So that I'm, so that I'm falling and I know I'm going to land on my back, but I've just got her wrapped up and hold held as tight as I can to keep her from getting crushed. And I just right on the stairs i mean it didn't slide or anything i just bam because i was airborne i was a few feet in the air and just crashed like right a down. like a giant st- what were you on your way to get a klondike I, I, bar or something what was the race for I, I wasn't racing i was just going down the stairs and i just i just and she slipped. was okay i just slipped well she just started screaming and i thought oh no did i land on her foot or something because i really thought i had her all the way in front of me it turns out she just it just scared the poop out of her yeah, how could it not? Oh my goodness! So my wife comes running in, and I swear I I thought okay I'm I don't think I'm injured, and I I wound up not being I wound up being just got up and walked away it was fine, but I thought for a second I thought you know I could have broken my back or worse yet broken the stairs and I got to pay for that you know, but or no, even no. worse yet you didn't get to that Klondike bar you were racing towards <laughs> so anyway, that's was, actually a horrifying well story. it was and so at least my the good thing is at least my wife tended to me. Like she actually checked to see how, how I was doing, because I don't know if I've ever told you this story in the first house that we bought in Virginia. Oh, how long ago was this? This had been 2002 or 2003. Um, 
we had a, a steep set of stairs there. Well, not steep, but normal set of stairs. It was a house we had built in Northern Virginia. And a young lady was living with us at the time, and she's relevant so that because of what happens later in the story here. So we're having a big Super Bowl party at our house, and this is back in the day uh, before the TVs were flat screen and light. So we had this huge, we had several TVs around the house, and we decided, you know what, we're going to bring all the TVs to one level because we had a basement with a basement apartment where this young lady lived. She was on staff at our church, and she lived down there. And so we brought her TV up from down there. We set up a couple TVs on the main floor and then brought our TV from our bedroom up on the up on the second floor. So we consolidated everything from three floors onto one floor so that we could have TVs and a whole bunch of different rooms in the front room, the kitchen, and there's a big there's a big dining room and a and a living room. So we're able to have TVs everywhere. So I'm bringing the big TV downstairs from from our master bedroom, and it's one of those old 36 inch tube TVs, you know, and it's got a way. 80 pounds, at least, at least 80 pounds. So I'm carrying it by myself down these stairs. I pick it up and I'm walking down the stairs and my wife has, God bless her, a stack of greeting cards sitting on the stairs for some reason. And I step on this stack of greeting cards about halfway down the stairs and I go airborne with this television. And again, my thought, my thought process is I got to protect, I got to keep the TV from bouncing around and hitting and crushing anybody below me that might be below me, smacking and putting holes in the walls, putting a hole in the floor if it were to fly and just hit the floor. So I just held on to it, right? And I'm going backwards and I'm airborne. Same thing that happened with Lucy just the other day. And it just, boom, and it lands on me. And that TV goes, poof, and hits me right in the chest and it just goes, and I wound up being fine, nothing broken or anything. But in the process of falling and landing, I land on, one of my wife's, wife's longer burger baskets, right? And you know, longer burger is those fancy handmade baskets. They're made by some company in Ohio. Or something. I mean, my wife loves them. They're expensive baskets. They're handmade. They're super fancy. So she has one on the stairs. Again, more clutter on the stairs. That's our problem here too. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. For some, why, why do things wind up on the stairs? Well, I'm going to take it up. You passed by it 50 times. Just take it upstairs. But the basket actually was on the stairs for a reason. It's one of those baskets built to be on stairs, you know? So I go airborne and I land right on this basket and I crush it. I mean, it is flat as, and it's flat as a pancake because it just happened to be right where I landed. And so, so the young lady, Stacy, comes running over and goes, Chris, are you okay? My wife comes running because she hears the thud and she goes, the first words out of my wife. And I kid you not, it was this loud and this much of concern. Meanwhile, I'm laying there with this 80-pound television on my chest going, oh. I can't. So anyway, she's never been able to live that down. And we laugh about it still, but but at least she showed some concern this time when I fell. So that was my, <laughs> that was my weekend. That filled with then burning things, you know, of course, setting things on fire, explosions and gunpowder. And we had a, we have a fun community event here for 4th of July. So that was fun, but... Other than that, that was it. Well, I about killed myself, gotta, and that's all. You gotta stop falling. It's really, frankly, something reserved for 80 year olds. Apparently, I'm perfecting this at a younger age. So, can, uh, can we talk about, can, can we do our awkward transition? Yeah, list? let me find it here. Let me find it. And, oh, you know what? I didn't turn the iPad back up. Just a second here. I turned the soundboard back up, and there you go. 
Uh, so uh, as we're sitting here talking, the the Fox News alert pops uh. that you know three of the five police officers who were killed in Dallas have been identified. Uh, and you know that's always I I start to tune out at that point in yeah. stories, and I think it's not good to, but I think I do because it, the human face. Then you go from numbers and discussions about logistics and how yeah. things happen to actual people and their stories and who they are and whether or not they were recently married and and all of that, and that's when it starts to get yeah. really depressing. And you even can't, and you can't take it anymore. No. Um, you know, and I think so. That's the point we're at in this in this now, and we are having a culturally, obviously, it's a mess. But we're having a crisis every week. I feel like now, right? And this was a heck of a week too on this. I mean, especially on this on police shooting stuff or police related shooting, and because there's the whole there's the Black Lives Matter movement, and this isn't a criticism of the Black Lives Matter movement because I trust me, I get it. I mean, you're going to say, well, you're just this pasty, fat white man from the Northwest that doesn't understand the race issues. Listen, I get it. You know, ask ask my my, my kids in Washington, D.C. who gave me my black card, okay? So this, is, this is something that we get. We understand. This is not a criticism of the Black Lives Matter movement as a whole. There are elements of it that are unhealthy, just as there are elements of a lot of movements that are unhealthy. But this 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 week has been just hell on a lot of people on the, on the country and it should it should bother us the the shooting videos the the videos of police shootings or police shooting aftermaths in uh was it new orleans and then up in minneapolis not minneapolis but in minnesota maybe near minneapolis but it was in minnesota i can't remember the name of the city it was in but it wasn't strictly speaking minneapolis or st paul those videos did as the information we have thus far on those two shootings of of cops shooting black men both of which, from my understanding, both of whom, both victims were armed, which is, does not justify shooting necessarily just simply because someone was armed. So we can't say shooting of unarmed black men, but those shootings do not, the, the information we have right now, and maybe you can tell me differently, Billy, those, the cops do not look good in these videos. And granted, those, those videos are shot from a certain perspective and, and posted and, and advocated and marketed from a certain perspective right I mean, well i think the second one definitely the one i'm forgetting in minnesota. His, the guy's name um the first one you're kind of watching it happen i just i can't the imagine you know the, fir the first one being the one in new orleans right the guy yeah, who's selling orleans, the cds you're, outside the the convenience store I can't imagine a world in which with two cops, if somebody is reaching for a gun, let's say, or you think they are, that you can't stop them when they're already pinned down on the ground. Right, they're laying on the ground and, and you hit them with a taser. It seems, from what we know, so again, we don't want to be, we don't want to be irresponsible and speculate, right? Just get, simply going by what we have seen so far with our own eyes and what we've been told, it would seem really bad what happened. In, I mean, it's sad no matter what, ha well, no matter what the facts are in Louisiana. In Louisiana. It's sad, no matter what. And we should wait for the facts before we condemn anybody. But from what we've seen so far, it really makes the cops look bad and as though they were bad actors. And uh, we don't know. We, we don't we, know. We, we looks... don't know. But what looks, what's there looks bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, I think, in why, and I finally forced myself to watch the videos Ugh, this awful. morning, very awful. early. And I thought to myself, man, this is, 
This is depressing. Right. It, it really is. It, it's just the fact that we're at this this point, regardless of whose fault it is, lives yeah. are being lost. People yeah. are dying. You know, every life matters, which yep. is true. So regardless of how that life came to an end, it's still a very sad yep. thing. Um, and then to have to have police officers being targeted yeah. and shot and killed. I, it's just I don't. And I and I actually had a friend who's somebody who is well known, some semi well known, who who called me out and said, you know, I didn't see you post anything about the victims until the police were shot, and I said that would be because I actually was not paying attention. I was traveling back right. from the Fourth of July. I wasn't paying attention in the days after, and it wasn't until last night when I started posting on social that I was really aware of everything that was going on. And admittedly, the, and the fact is, we can post about the police being shot and not the others being shot for a couple reasons. One, we don't know the facts behind the viral videos of the of the shooting aftermaths, right? That makes the, the police right. look bad in these situations, and commenting on them isn't necessarily a bad thing. But tr but trying them in the, port in, the, in, the, in the court of public opinion, when you don't have all the facts, and you wanna rob these folks of due process, that is a problem. But commenting the, the, on it and saying this is so sad, that's that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But the, the police shooting in Dallas was pretty cut and dry. We got a sniper taking right. out policemen and other suspects arrested now and other explosive devices apparently. Um, it's pretty easy to comment on this. When someone targets the police, it's different from when a bad actor within the police in error or mistakenly and maybe without m malicious intent kill someone of another race. I mean, that's those are two very different things. Are both of them sad and tragic? Absolutely. But the actual targeting of police with a planned sniper attack with explosives is very different from a police thinking he sees a guy pulling a gun and shooting him in error and because he reacted incorrectly to the person's movements. Those are two very different things. Well, and... You know, Alton Brown, the Alton Brown you know, shooting, that was the guy from from uh, Louisiana, right? Alton? Uh, yeah. I don't remember. Like, it is, it's his last name that I can't, I'm not recalling if, uh, I'm sorry, Alton Sterling. Sterling, that's Alton's, right, that right, that's right. Alton Brown, um, isn't Alton he Sterling. on the Food Network or something? Uh, yeah, he's a television personality, right. yeah, I'm clearly hungry. <laughs> uh, but the, the bottom line is that you you have a situation that's very hard to watch yeah, and yeah, i do. think the question is why was there no other recourse you know and we don't again we don't know all the details but no. i do think we clearly need a reconciliation in this country there's there are bigger racial issues than we've had in a very long time i and there's really no reason for that i would say outside of the fact that we are probably morally detaching in every single way. So it, it isn't surprising. It's not like this is the only problem going on. There's a problem right. at every corner. There's a right. problem in every part of culture and every part of society. Right. And this is just another part of that. Um, but this involves people's lives. And I think we we get divided on this. You know, you're either pro-police, anti-police. You're either pro-Black Lives Matter, anti-Black Lives Matter. Right. When the reality is that there are good cops and bad cops, and there are good people in Black Lives Matter and bad people in Black Lives exactly. Matter. Um, and, and so it's complicated. I have seen cops firsthand do amazing things, yep. and I would argue that the vast majority of cops are good cops. But I've also seen cops do really terrible things. Yep. And firsthand yeah. and have experienced some of those things myself especially in new york city are we so, ever gonna are we ever gonna get a chance to tell that story do you th are, are you allowed to tell that story is that something we can share one day i don't want to do it on the show today 
but some of your experiences, I think people would be enthralled by your experiences. I agree. I have made agreements not to talk about it, but I may be able to eventually. But okay. I would say that, well, yeah, there's so many things that I think would yeah. be interesting about talking about that that incident. But yeah, yeah look, the, the bottom line is that we have to get it together. We have to get it together. Yeah. We need to figure out and I think we know what the problem is. The question is, is are we ever going to embrace the and, solution because it can't get better? And there's, and there's the issue, right? Ra is racism a problem? Racism can be a problem. Yes, racism is a problem. Is racism the problem? Absolutely not, right? As Ravi Zacharias has pointed out may, very many times, man is not impious because he's first immoral. Man is immoral because he's first impious. And that's where our problem lies. And so Nancy Pelosi, when she's on television today, and I watched her do it, that we got to get to the root of these problems. No, you don't want to get to the root of the problems because the root of the problem is a heart and sin problem. And you don't want to talk about that. And that kind of thing will be banished because if you start talking about the root of the, root of the problem being sin and man's fallen nature, then you got to take into consideration what are the other things that are sins that are a part of my life or things that I advocate or things that I'm not willing to stand up against. And they don't want to have that discussion. So we will continue to, as a country, as a government, they will continue to have discussions that don't solve problems. Having gun more gun legislation or less gun legislation is not going to fix the problem. They're going to have those debates. They're going to fight about it, but that's not going to solve the problem. Having discussions on racism and debates on racism, we can have those discussions as part of, as long as we understand they're part of a larger picture and a larger problem. But they want to address each of these immoral acts. They want to address each of these Im these things that they consider immoral whatever and, and address those specific one things and then think that's going to solve the problem and it's not going to solve the problem no and we and we have big problems here i think look you know i'm not going to be the crazy end times person but i think you it was already, fascinating wait, wait, wait. you already i already are, am i know there's already a book i know but after going through all of yeah. that process of of the book and looking at the issue fairly from what different pastors would say I I sort of feel like, huh, it's interesting, right? It's our responsibility, I think, as Christians to be involved and to try to make the world a better place and to try to stop these things when we I see agree. them and to always be working towards the good that is God and trying to instill that. But at the same time, there is if people take a literal approach to Scripture, they're going to believe that things are going to get worse. So that doesn't mean abandon and not take action, but the reality is that right. the world is a troubled place and will probably be, continue to become a more troubled place. So I'm not shocked that these things are happening, but it's very sad and well, it's disheartening. Not, you're, it's your shock, but you're not surprised, right? I'm not Yes, right. That's a good because point. I'm these things are shocking. They should shock you. They're if terrifying. They, if they they're don't, awful. if they don't shock you, you've got you have other issues that we need to deal with. But they shouldn't. They probably don't surprise you, because this is this is where we've allowed ourselves to to go, right? I think that I had taken a very negative view of Black Lives Matter in the beginning yeah. because of the tactics of some in the movement, and I've talked with a lot of people who are part of right. really that movement in terms of sympathizing with it and feeling like you know there is a problem in inner city areas there is a problem and and, and it's so complicated with so many different layers uh, you know sociological layers political layers of yeah. you know and I know we we had a little bit of a discussion before we started recording about poverty yeah. um and whether or not poverty is a driver there's a debate you know does poverty drive crime um you know Aristotle once said that poverty is the parent of crime that's what he that's what he once said and I, I think there's obviously, again, a debate about that. But when you do look at statistics, 
there are some interesting things, uh, and I actually have um, some Bureau of Justice statistics here in front of me. You know, people in poor households that are at or below the federal poverty level, they had more than a double um, rate of violent victimization um, when you compare them to people in high-income households. So that's just one factor. You know, people living in poor households had a higher rate of violence involving a firearm right. compared right. to people. Right, but correlation, correlation does not mean causation. Right, but right. The, but the fact of the matter is, there'd be less violence among those populations if they were out of poverty, probably. Well, I mean, we could we could say that. Well, I, I, I suppose, but correlate like I said, correlation does not mean causation. It's it's just as plausible that the conditions that put someone into poverty are also the conditions that cause them to commit crimes. Right? If you are someone who is, again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stereotype everybody who's poor or everybody who's a, even everybody who's a criminal, but if you are someone who is immoral and inept, both of those things, you're more likely to be poor and more likely to commit crime if you are immoral and inept, right? And that has, that has nothing to do with any specific race or group or anything. I'm just saying there, there are things that lead someone to be both more likely to be criminal and more likely to be poor that rather than just, I'm poor, so now I'm going to be a criminal. D does that make sense? It does. I think I think that it's hard to measure any of this. Really, think, everyone's going to try to. I because think that, the, I think the two are connected. I just don't think that one necessarily causes the other. Well, let me lay out a, let me I lay out something that I think is is sort of interesting. You let's say you grow up in a project. You know nothing other than the project and right. what goes on in the project from the minute you're born until you're 20 years old. Yeah. You are more likely to be around criminals. You are more likely to be around people who are struggling. You are more likely, and that's not to stereotype people who are living in projects, but the reality is there's a higher level of all of that going on inside of projects than there is again, in other neighborhoods. Again, but they're, connect they're connected not because one necessarily causes the other. But I think we, if we're being honest, if we can get everybody out of poverty, well, that'll never be, happen. Be lower, the, the, it'll we'll never happen no. because you know, Jesus right. tells us that. But, but we, we would we would be able to get I, I do think there's a level of there's correlation. I argue I would argue there's probably some causation in there, um, if not directly in terms of the environment you end up in. But needless to say, right. needless to say, it is what it is. Right. And we know that those populations are at greater risk. I think that's a better way of wording right. it. And, I, and 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 let me let me give you a very personal example, because here's the example that my that I know my father would respond with. And I think that it's a, a legitimate example that doesn't mean it disproves any of your theories. It it does show that it's it that your theory is a theory and that there may be some trends that point to the accuracy of your theory. My father grew up in the projects. Period. Uh, his his dad was an alcoholic, his his mom was a good mom and she took care of him, but they grew up in the projects. Poor. He lived in a shack in the Seattle area where you could see through the walls. He was dirt poor. I mean, you, the, I mean, the definition of it. And so he would say to, and he has said to friends of mine who have presented this argument, poverty causes, criminal, causes crime. And he says, my friends weren't committing crimes. I didn't commit crimes. My family didn't commit crimes. And none of our neighbors committed crimes, but we were poor and we were in the projects. I mean, it was the projects that the government housing, all the stuff projects and dirt poor and really bad environment. But his friends weren't committing crimes. His family wasn't committing crimes, and he grew up to make some make something of himself, and and has. And I'm I'm I couldn't be prouder of my dad because and f for no other reason than the fact that he's a good godly man, you know. 
and he didn't he did not grow up in an environment where that is conducive to that it's more conducive again correlation not causation more conducive to and i think maybe that's the better term a a life of poverty is more conducive to a life of crime would that be would that be fair yeah, I think so. And, Whatever. and I mean, I, you'd need to, and even if a researcher could prove, I just think there's so many elements that make it complicated too. location, you know, the, yeah. the location of your project, how many people are living in it, who knows? I mean, it's, but at the end of the day, our goal should be to get as many people out of poverty as we can. And, but the challenge is how do you do that? And, and that's what obvious, I mean, right now we've got more people on food stamps, I think than ever re- recorded. Yeah, but again, but again, and again, I, lifting people out of poverty is a good thing. As long as you're, as, as long as you're doing like a, a rising tide, lifting all boats, you want things to improve and getting people out of poverty is a good thing. But that's again, we're trying to solve one symptom of a larger disease. We have a disease, right? And we keep treating symptoms and we keep trying to fix the symptoms. Well, if you just make a symptom go away, it doesn't mean you've fixed the disease. I can take cold medicine. I can take decongestant all I want. But as long as I've got the cold, I'm going to have the cold. Exactly. And that's what's going on right. in the, in, at every level, right? So the right. cop thing and, you know, both both the killing of, you know, African-Americans. And, and again, we don't know all the details, but also the killing of cops. Those things are part of yeah. this entire spectrum of, of chaos, of cultural yeah. chaos yeah. that – Look, it's everything from terrorism. We can't keep tra- – let me just put it like this. Three days ago, two days ago, we were going on and on about Hillary Clinton. Yeah, Hillary has got to be thinking, oh, well, I'm not in the headlines anymore. This is yeah. taking over now. You know, we've moved on to this. We move from crisis to crisis. It's insane, yeah. and it's worse. it's worse than it's ever been. I yeah. would say I think that the world has always been a tough place. There have been ebbs and flows, yeah. obviously, throughout history. But we are living in a time that that is systematically across – borders of countries chaotic everywhere and it's the church and at least the church in america the church in america is weak you and i have talked about that for a long time we can't we keep having you know people who believe in rainbows and unicorns come and go no the church is stronger than ever well just because you got more butts in the seat doesn't mean your church is strong right the church we're not standing up for things again we're we keep trying to fight symptoms of a disease and and the church is not stepping up and actually fighting the disease we got to fight racism. Well, racism is a problem, but it's a it's an indicator of something else. We got to fight poverty. Well, poverty is a problem, but it's an indicator of something else. We got to fight. We got to you know fight you know to save marriage. Okay, but the 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 fight over marriage is an indicator of something else. You know, we got to we got to fight for you know we got to fight the pro life cause. We got to fight against abortion. Again, I'm a pro lifer, right? But you're never going to fix the abortion problem if you don't fix the disease. You keep fighting for something that's an indicator of something else. Yeah, and, yeah. And that is an issue. We have a heart problem. We have broken lives. Our uh, people around us are have broken, broken lives, and we're not fixing it, and we're not addressing it. We keep, we keep, for lack of a better term, we just keep polishing a turd, and which is something that you're pretty good at. Well, I do have mad skills. You know what could really fix this? Donald Trump. You're the dumbest person. Forgive me, Jesus. The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. 
Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Real Estate Agents, I trust, dot com. Back to the church boys. So, as we said before we, before we left, there is hope for this country. Uh, there, is, there is a way out. Uh, and that way out is obviously, I mean, it's great and huge and very successful, is Donald Trump. Uh, right, Billy? Isn't that what you found? <laughs> the, the Billy has become the uh, Billy has become the resident the resident Trump bot around here. What a depressing election cycle! Um, it's really so sad. It's the saddest thing, and it's almost like uh, uh, I'm not even going to compare it because I'll get myself in trouble. But it's terrible. It's it's awful. It's no good. And really, but one of them is going to be president. This is the reality. Yeah. I, I'm sorry okay. to break. I know never I know. Trump people. I know you I know. think that Ted Cruz is going to squeak on by, but there's no <laughs> way that anyone's going to be able to do a write-in no. campaign that's successful. No. So right. either one of them will be president. And if you are no. never Trump, you are you are basically abandoning. Okay, you say that. The, you say that with the assumption that, and the fair assumption. I believe that it's the accurate assumption. I believe that it's going to be Trump versus Hillary in the election in the general. I I yeah. I, I I believe that. We say we say this that it's going to be one of these two with the assumption that the convention goes as we expect it will go. That there isn't actually some movement that ousts Trump as the nominee. Well, if there is, then Hillary is still president. So. Right. But 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 the but the fact is, right now, as things certainly seem to appear to be, it's gonna be Trump or Hillary as president. You and I both could really revel in the joy and misery. <laughs> The joy, uh, the, we find great joy in the misery of the Trump bots and other Republican establishment people if suddenly Ted Cruz is nominee <laughs> after the convention. I can't. Can you imagine? But it's not going to happen. No, and it's I not think, happen. I, not I think happen, we, it's time to live in the reality of it. And if that reality is that you choose Hillary over Trump or Trump over Hillary, or you choose I that know. because you believe in some, you know, unicorn world that your vote <laughs> matters so much that you absolutely can't vote for one of them, then fine. But, you know, I just think it's sort of like you saying, know, you're just, you know, you're just being mean. I just because really? I just can't take yes. it anymore with this false yes. sense of efficacy that your write-in campaign is somehow going to matter. It doesn't matter. The writing You're, campaign. You might as well write on a piece of paper, spit on it, mail it over to Vladimir Putin because it doesn't matter. Write-in campaigns and third-party stuff is nonsense. It's gonna be. I'm fine with the two-party system. That's fine. We don't live in. We don't live with the. We we don't live with a parliament. Right. We don't live where this group and this group and this group team up to decide who the president's gonna be. That's not how it operates. We allow the people to decide. The people vote for the candidate, right? Because if you're if you're in Great Britain, you vote for your candidate, and your party makes a coalition with another party, makes a coalition with another party, and suddenly you have your prime minister, right? That's not how we do it here. I I prefer I prefer our system over the parliament system of parliament. That that said, you had a very fun week this week. I think uh, after after the toad pee. The couple of the interviews that we did this week, the, the 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 couple of interviews that we just recorded, that will be coming on the Blaze Network and this our, our SoundCloud feed, really brought you a a disturbing level of joy. They actually built my faith. I have to say, both of <laughs> both of these interviews, uh, because no, I we was have, able to find we, ways. We have to like throw five interviews. We have like five interviews coming, but you're talking about two specific. Interviews. We may even have more than five. I don't know. We have a million interviews That's coming, true. but. Two of them in particular with Eric Metaxas, who I love, and I do Dr. Too. David Jeremiah <laughs> were so good. 
that I mean, there were actually, you know, we talk about, um, you know, when people get slapped up in the middle of a like a slap fight. Yeah. Chris was slapped Shut so up. hard repeatedly that you, it's like, ow, 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 ow. You could just hear it. You could just hear it. it was it was the most amazing thing, and really because we were talking about the current election season, Trump and. Yeah, look, a lot of yeah. people aren't going to agree with what either of them said, and they were separate interviews. But but what everyone will love was the uncomfortableness of Chris being thrown under not just buses, buses, but like those double-decker British they didn't, trolleys. They didn't throw me under the bus. You threw me under the bus <laughs> by telling them untruths about me. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, some people, they just think they can write a name. I just made stuff up about Chris, and, <laughs> and you know. And then, of course, Chris is like uncomfortable. So he's like, I'm the one he's describing. And it just made it even better. Right? He's trying to get you to say mean things about me, to hurt my feelings. So, with that said, uh, Eric Metaxas will never be invited back. Uh, we oh, made, he'll be back every that, week if made, he could. I made be. that very clear to him. It was great. Uh, anyway. And, but look, they, they addressed, and we won't spoil it, but they, they really did address. I thought they made both very strong arguments for yeah, why somebody could vote. For now, for tr I think Trump, obviously, from their perspective, they weren't endorsing Trump, but they made very strong cases about why Christians could. And these are the cases oh, and that I and made. should not just could, but should. Yes, and should. And now I have not made that case because I I'm not going to say who I'm voting for if I do vote for one of them. And as much as I criticize not voting, it's what I have repeatedly said I was not quite ready to do. Although, if that does change, I'm not going to admit it. I will so, never admit that I if if I wind up voting for Trump, there's I will never admit it. Are you kidding? I will take that with me to my now, grave. No, I know Christians who will vote for Clinton. Yeah. There are Christians who oh, will yeah, vote yeah, for yeah, Clinton. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree that. That will be their lesser of two evils. I think yeah. um there are when we when we talk about many of the problems that we have in this culture, a lot of what Hillary and Trump in some ways, but a lot of what Hillary believes play right into yeah. those problems yeah. and not just the problems, the solutions of let's treat this, let's treat that. Right. They're not treated. She's not she doesn't want to treat the bigger, broader problem. And right. so. That is what would hold me back from neither that does, sort of Neither does support. Trump, by the way. No, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, neither <laughs> does Trump. But I actually think, I will say this, on a moral scale, they're both absolutely probably awful when it comes to lying and truth and all that. But you probably have a better shot. And, and no, never Trump people, just listen for a minute. If you had to say which one I have a better shot with having my values be represented in an administration, you would have to admit Trump if you're a Christian. I don't see how you could say Clinton because he will have to nominate people who do yeah. respect yeah. those values. She, did, We already know who she's going to nominate. But Trump would and, reply, I don't have to do anything. I can do whatever, whatever I want. But if he wants to win a second term, he'll have to. Yeah. We all know that. So the reality is you have a better shot logistically yeah. at having some of your values. That doesn't mean you should vote for Trump. I'm just saying... Now, you might say those values don't matter and you're more concerned with the country and stability and that Hillary will bring more stability, which I think is a, also a valid yeah, statement. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not going to play the interview on this show. We're going to we're saving it. It's going to the Metaxas interview and the Jeremiah interview both will be coming in the in the coming in the in the next few days. Uh, yes, but they're really, really good, and you're really, you guys are gonna enjoy them. You're gonna get a kick out of them because we had fun with these guys. It wasn't like super serious interviews because we got a couple of, of like these super smart intellectuals. And by the way, as I told Eric on the show, Eric Metaxas, America's dreamiest intellectual. Uh, but Eric was on, and they're both. But it isn't. It isn't 
like like a dummy like me could understand what they were talking about. So you're going to enjoy it, and we had fun with it, and we and we we let them let their hair down. I, guess, I don't know how much hair Dr. Jeremiah actually <laughs> let has. Let their hair down. <laughs> but they they were fun. They had uh-huh. I, they had fun with it. They even admitted they had fun. I don't know if we got them on record saying they had fun, but they did. Well, it's almost like a drive by when you come on this show because you think you're going somebody somewhere <laughs> where competent <laughs> people are going to interview you, and then you arrive. And there's some serious questions, but then everything devolves, and you're it's, thinking to yourself, "What have I done? Who is my publicist, and why did they put what, me in this? What have I done to my career that I'm on here?" <laughs> <laughs> Although we've had some great ones, we've oh, had yeah. Ben Carson, yeah. we've had yeah. people who you oh, know yeah. yep. haven't come oh, back, yeah. but hopefully they will. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you know, today's victim will be Mike Huckabee. Oh yeah, that's right. we gotta yes. So we'll be stepping away in a while to record that, but um, <laughs> Huckabee. <laughs> Or as the Reverend L. Sharpton calls him, Huckleby. <laughs> or it's, wasn't it Mick and Kelly that called him? He's <laughs> the swear word on accident. I'm, I'm on accident, but it's like Mike, something else to be. <laughs> anyway, okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to that interview. I think it's going to be a ton of fun, and we'll we'll ask him about the as long as he's willing. We'll ask him about the Trump stuff, but I know he's got some other things that he was writing that he's writing about and speaking about. So. Did you want to get into what that issue is, or do you want to save that for when we break and talk to him? Let's save it. Okay, so do you want? Can we awkwardly transition to something else then before we go over to a, a Mike Huckabee interview? Huckabee? Um, I'm going to actually say you, Huckabee. Or, or did, you just, did you just need a nap? What are you doing? You're sitting around. You're leaving empty air here. Uh, stop reading your love notes and texts that you're getting from around the country, your fan mail, and pay attention to what's before you. Whatever. <laughs> All right, listen. Oh, oh, yeah, we do have to talk one, about one more thing. Okay. We do. Okay. The uh, Supreme Court battle that's coming oh, in yes. the fall. Oral that's arguments are coming in the fall. and For what? So, <laughs> Ask me if I've been paying attention. We've already talked about it. Yeah, you haven't been paying attention. Have, but the, the bottom line is, uh, I keep saying the bottom line is today. It's like my new, like my favorite line. Crunch. The bottom yeah. line is, it's like it's like when Obama, or no, it was John McCain who said friends. 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 Oh, I and Obama's was, let me be clear. But I can't. T- the bottom line is. John McCain, we mocked, working in the Senate when we worked in leadership, we mocked that every time he said it. The French. 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 It's got that little whistle. Of course, which comes from the torture that he went through. So I shouldn't be mocking that, but you he's so obnoxious. He's just, it's obnoxious, but go ahead. Well, the fact is, people who were worried that he wouldn't make it through two terms, you know, rest assured, he'd be alive he'd, and kicking stuff. Right, he'd still be alive today. He's got just a couple yeah. months to go to prove all those naysayers wrong. Uh, anyway, yeah. Supreme Court battle, religious right. freedom. This one's interesting. It's a church out in Missouri, and the case is Trinity Lutheran Church of Columbia versus Pauley. And basically... To sum it up, there's a program in Missouri where the government will recycle old tires and, you know, the, the oh, playground yeah. material that's like tire-like material, they will provide grants to provide that material to playgrounds. And, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking right now, and let's see here, we have, um, I'm just trying to, I want to make sure I have, okay, it's the Department of Natural Resources. Right. And in the 2016 program, it's open to public schools, private schools, parks, nonprofit daycare centers, and other nonprofit organizations or government organizations that aren't state agencies. So right. and this is the Missouri, terrible. this is the Missouri, not the federal, but it's the Missouri Department of Natural Resources. Yes, this yeah. is Missouri. Now, in 2012, a church, Trinity Lutheran Church, applied. They have a child care center. They applied for their playground to take part in this program that everybody else, it's open to everybody else, so they applied. 
they, according to their attorneys at Alliance Defending Freedom, were essentially approved for it initially, but then the money was withheld because it was found that they were a religious organization and the state constitution doesn't allow um, for funding of religious organizations, for government funding. I think it's Article 1, Section 7. It says, I have it in front of me here, no money shall ever be taken from the public treasury, directly or indirectly, in aid of any church, sect, or denomination of religion, or in aid of any priest, preacher, minister, or teacher thereof, as such. Um, well, now, it seems pretty clear to me then. But here's the second part. And that no preference shall be given to nor any discrimination made against any church, sect, or creed of religion or any form of religious faith or worship. So the church believes that it is a form of discrimination to open a program to everybody, every nonprofit, but to not allow religious nonprofits to benefit. And there was some claim that in the past they had given money to other religious groups. I don't know how true that is. I wasn't able to track down much on that. But it 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 is strange to open a program to everybody and then to not give it to child care because they're giving it to other private schools that are not religious. So did the did the grant money, the grant application or whatever include any language about churches can't qualify for this? No, not that I saw. So is, what, is, what, is is Liberty Alliance or Alliance Defending Freedom? Are they coming out and saying that there's no there was no language in there? Yeah, I mean they're well, and they're saying essentially that. Um, let's see here, they're basically saying that it's discrimination that you can't the government can't say um, that no state can define religious neutrality as treating religious organizations worse than everyone else. So you know their argument is basically like you're giving it to everybody but not them. Yeah. Um, you know it. it it becomes interesting to me because it's sort of like, well, I understand your constitutional provision there, but if you're opening the program to everyone, Muslim playgrounds, Jewish school playgrounds, it really doesn't matter if it's right. a lottery system or whatever, however right. it works. What does it really matter? Everyone has the same equal footing. To not allow religious schools essentially means that you're saying, oh, this group can't do it, but every other nonprofit can. So is there, reason, is there any reason to believe that a non-Christian but religious, like a Jewish school or a or a uh, Muslim school or someplace else, would have received the grant money had they been the re the named the recipients. I don't think so. I don't know the exact process of how they of how they they rank the schools somehow. And according to Alliance Defending Freedom, this particular school was ranked like number four to receive the funding. So it, it met a lot of the qualifications you know, for what it needed to, to receive it. It was just the religious element. So maybe other groups wouldn't have gotten it, but I would yeah. argue, look, the Beckett fund or one of those other groups right. would probably defend a Muslim group if they were in this position right. too. Right. So, so it's interesting. So is, uh, is Alliance Defending Freedom in this church, are they looking simply to have the decision on this grant or whatever this is overturned by the Supreme court? Or are they looking to have like article one, section seven of the Missouri constitution struck down? I think that they're what they're trying to do is ensure that in this particular program, in this particular instance, that the government can't deny fu offer funds to everybody else, but deny it to a religious school. Um, and I was, you know, frankly, I don't think they would be able to strike. I think they have a very hard time striking down that part of the Constitution because that I covers a so. lot of other. Yeah elements, right? Um, the problem is that they created a program that was open to literally every other nonprofit organization right. in the state. So the only difference, and, and this same thing happened at the federal level with an education bill that passed, I think in 2007, and was signed into law by Bush. 
and the rules were clarified under Obama, if I recall. I might not have it all correct, but basically, this was the loan forgiveness plan. If you yeah. if you work for any nonprofit or a public school for ten years, you can get your loans forgiven. But the only people who can't take part in that are religious clergy. So, <laughs> of course, you know, which again doesn't really make sense because if you're offering it to every religious clergy member who's right. registered with a five hundred one c three organization. Why would you not offer the same? If you're going to offer the forgiveness to begin with, which is a whole other debate, why are you only not allowing those people? Jeez. Well, it's I'm, again, I, I guess I'm not surprised by this, but I mean, if the blanket rule is the state money doesn't go to religious organizations, then that's the rule. I mean, do they, are they not giving? Are are they staying consistent to that? Have they always not given money to religious organizations? I mean, is there no religious nonprofit? I, I mean, does every religious there are no religious nonprofits getting money from the state. I, mean, I would assume there probably aren't. But even if they're not, it is interesting that they're seizing upon the second, because the critics of the church are going to go for the first part right. of the Constitution. But the supporters, Lions Defending Freedom, they're going to look at that second part. No preference shall be given to nor any discrimination made against any church to say this is discrimination against the church. Now, whether or not it is... right. Will but be interesting. The, they, they had but, lost but twice, the se- by the way. Right, but the second who has lost twice? The state the, or the, the school has lost. Okay. They, a judge ruled against them, and then an appeals court okay, so, upheld right. the judge's ruling. So, so I just, I mean, I don't think, I don't know that the two things are inconsistent. If the blanket rule is no money shall ever be given to religious organizations, and then they followed up with we're not going to discriminate against any religious organization. When it comes to being treated equally under the law, I mean, is there? I mean, maybe the, maybe those two things are in contrast. It seems strange that those two things are within the same sentence of the Constitution. Right. They seem to stand in contrast, but at the same time, maybe it's just a matter of money never goes to religious organizations. That said, when you're looking to be treated fairly outside of money, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Seems strange. well, and I mean. Do they fund Planned Parenthood? Yes. In fact, they, they've had a debate about, yeah. you know, in Missouri about funding Planned Parenthood. But do they fund other? It's just it's so interesting how and look, it can be a rabbit hole with faith because of the Satanists come in and they claim right. that they have, you know, right. they have a right to the money, too. And other groups come in, um, you know, you end up you end up with with certain issues yeah. that can unfold. But it is sort of odd to me to think that a private school with the same number of kids <clears throat> down the road could be eligible. But right. The school that's owned by the church wouldn't be here's, with the here's, same number. Here's the way that I think they should fix it. No money goes to nonprofit organizations of any kind ever. How about that? That would fix <laughs> it. And, and I would support that. Now you don't have this fight. Nobody, no nonprofit gets money. Period. Now well, the loan it. forgiveness thing just did not, doesn't make sense to me. No, because if you're going to offer the program, you might as well let clergy who are doing good in the community right. and acro- across different lines, not yeah. just Christians, have that same thing then because you're basically saying oh they can't have it i'm waiting for a case to come about about this because you are saying only this group of people cannot have it but we're going to give it to everybody else you could be a secretary who works for a nonprofit organization for 10 years and you're entitled to loan forgiveness but a yeah but a pastor's not hmm. or the head of a christian organization is not i look i think the program itself is you know up for discussion and debate right. but and and that program too why should you have loan forgiveness simply? I mean, you took out the loan. It was your decision to take off the loan. Why are you suddenly looking for loan forgiveness? Just pay your loan. Period. Right. I mean, that's... Why don't we just have simple transactions where 
I take out this much money, I owe this much money, or I pay this much money, I get this product. Why do we have to stipulate, well, if you take out this much money, you owe this much money, unless you're willing to work for this little group or this little group or this little community over here, then 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 we'll just forgive you. And just, no, you took out the money, you owe the money, period. I don't, I don't understand this, this desire. We have to have all of this loan forgiveness everywhere. Don't, so take out the, don't take out the money. If you're not willing to pay back the loan, don't take out the money. All right, we need to take a break. Yeah, we do. So let's take a break. We will come back in a little bit with uh, with uh, the the Huckster, right? Huckleby. Miss, with Governor Huckleby or Huckleby, 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 or as someone else might say. The Church Boys. The Church Boys. Man, I hate these guys. So we have a wonderful wonderful interview for you today uh it's with chris's another person who frankly doesn't agree with chris on donald i, I really don't understand <laughs> you keep booking it's i i'm detecting a pattern here of the things that you're well booking. the pattern is that most thoughtful christians have already moved past this and have moved on that's the pattern <laughs> um but most most rubes rubes have moved i'm just kidding Okay, a lot of Christians have not, and I do not mean to disparage anybody who is not supporting Trump. In, I unless, am not supporting unless, Trump. So. Unless your name is me, Chris. Yeah, I just like to torment Chris. Disparage uh, me. But that's fine. Uh, Mike Huckleby, as uh, <laughs> I, I can't, I get as Al Sharpton straight. called him, um, oh. he really gave us some great insight yeah. into Trump. That's not why we talked to him. The bigger issue was this California bill, yeah. um, that this education bill that's gotten a lot of attention that has a very good shot of passing. Um, it is already passed the Senate, I think, and it's in, going to the Assembly now, yeah. and then would potentially be signed by the governor of California, uh, would really make things very difficult for Christian colleges and universities who want to live by their values. So we talked with him about that. He and Pat Boone, who has to be 417 years old at this point, <laughs> um, like teamed Boone. up to send a letter to the governor. So, would, so could you, why don't you, before we roll this, explain, give a little bit more explanation, because we didn't really get into the explanation of the bill until a little ways into the interview. The Expl bill would, tell what the bill yeah. is. The bill is an anti-discrimination bill, essentially, but it specifically targets religious universities and colleges and requires, based on, and you know, when you read the text of a bill, it can sometimes be very confusing what it's saying. Right. Uh, but this bill it is saying that if you are a college or a university that is religious in nature, and you hold a view opposed to gay marriage or some other some other issue that's traditional to your values, you have to let students know that before they come to the school. You have to post it. I think there, and I could be wrong about this. If I recall, there's even a provision that has to be posted on campus somewhere, what yeah. you believe about the issue. So it's essentially forcing you to acknowledge, we don't believe in gay marriage. And if you come to the school, you will need to know that. It has an intended, and, it has an intended chilling effect. Yes. Now, Absolutely. the other part of this is that it would potentially open up lawsuits for students who are discriminated against. So this is where it scares the schools into not having a viewpoint on these things, right? Because if you are saying, well, you can't live here with your married, if you're a gay couple, you can't live on campus together um, as a married gay couple. If you sign a, you know, statement going into the school that you're going to live a Christian, traditional Christian lifestyle, um, that that could be something that you could claim, oh, I was discriminated against, and that you then have lawsuits against these schools. Because right, right now, these Christian schools are protected and religious schools are protected under the law. They want to, and the, by the way, these are schools that accept federal funding or state funding. Right. So now, and, and I think a lot of people have questions about that. It's very confusing. And I would love to actually have somebody on to explain to us how funding works in higher ed, because I think it's really important. Yeah, it is. But, but if students are taking federal loans out to go to your school, well, that would be considered federal funding as right. well. 
Right. Right. So um, this is a big problem. It's a big religious liberty problem. And I think really what you're seeing is Mike Huckabee and others claim like, oh, wow, we actually are seeing God's not dead (laughs) unfold before our eyes, potentially in California. Uh, So and he was actually in God's not dead, too. He was. He was? he was. I think he had. A, I think he had. A, he played himself. Yeah, he had a little role. Okay. Were you played, in? He played were you, Mike Huckabee. Were you in God's Not Dead too? Nope, I was not. I had already been raptured at that point in the movie oh, world. So, that's right. so no, um, no more movie roles for you. No. Well, you never know. <laughs> You're angling every time we talk to anybody who might have influence. Billy angles. You oh yeah. Hear. Well, I, Devon Franklin, if you're listening, I would love to play one of your animated yeah, feature. Of course. I almost said feature creatures, but they're animals in the gospel uh, story. So, yeah, I would love to play any of them. You're such a harlot. (laughs) Anything for fame. That's Um, that's the biblical word for whore. (laughs) Awful. You're an awful creature. But anyway, let's roll this. Okay. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys podcast. I have Chris Field on the line, and we also have Governor Mike Huckabee. How are you doing today? Doing very well. Great to be with you. So I wanted to talk with you. You know, I had covered a story the other day and and saw that you and and Pat Boone had written a letter um, to Governor Jerry Brown in California. And and I think for a lot of people who follow religious liberty issues, this whole issue of Senate Bill 1146 um, is a big deal. Now, a lot of people in the public don't really know about the bill. But I guess the, the place I want to start with you is to, to ask what it was that motivated you and Pat and others to speak out and to write this letter to the governor. I think a lot of us recognize that legislation like this is really designed to uh, totally squelch the First Amendment rights of religious people. Now, Pat and I are both Christian, but if we were Muslim, if we were um, Hindu, whatever we were, when the government begins to tell you that you can't hold to a view that is consistent with your faith, and I'm not talking about consistent with your faith, it just sort of became consistent with your faith, but with your historic, in our case, biblical teachings, doctrines that have existed for more than 2,000 years, then the government has grossly overstepped its bounds. The Founding Fathers would not recognize this kind of misapplication of government authority and power. So let me ask you, and and this will be helpful for people, too, who don't know a lot about the bill. What are the most concerning elements of this proposal? I I think the most important part is that it would require that if you are in any way um, presenting religious services, whether it's as a college, university, a Christian school, Um, that there are certain, uh, I guess, cultural norms that you have to accept, even if it violates your uh, religious convictions. For example, if you believe that marriage is between one man, one woman for life, as as all biblical believers would would hold to, but the culture now says that marriage can be two men, two women, then you have to subjugate that view, or else you're in violation of uh, the the rights of people who differ with you. And and there really is no tolerance. I I think the most ironic thing about what we're seeing in our culture is that in the name of diversity, we're really demanding uniformity. And in the name of of tolerance, we are pushing for a level of intolerance 
that is far more consistent with something one would see in the old Soviet Union or even in uh, communist China. And one of the elements is that schools would have to, you know, Christian schools, any any faith-based school, not just Christian, would need to publicize, would need to let prospective students know what their stances are on these issues and 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 post that but let them know that maybe in other forums if they're going to be applying to the school and then the other the other piece of it obviously is the the fear of lawsuits from students who um who have claims of discrimination against schools um do you think that there's a solid chance that this will pass and if it does pass how convinced are you that that Jerry Brown will sign it well, I think in California there's a very good chance it will pass I mean California was the first state of the union that gave us the uh, transgender restroom laws that said that you cannot deny admission of a biological male who wishes to use the restroom or the showers that are designated for biological females. So this is a legislature that already has a, a history of passing some of the most bizarre, radical, um, and, and and simply inexplicable kinds of pieces of legislation far in advance and, and beyond the scope of what mother, most other states would, would ever put forth. And Jerry Brown has a long history of uh, taking the most liberal legislation and embracing it. So I think it has a very good chance. Um, when we look at when we look at the this issue from 30,000 know, feet and we look at what's going on across the country, not just in California, how shocked are you, or maybe you're not shocked, but when you think back maybe five, six years and you look at where we are now, how fast some of these disputes have emerged and how fast they appear to be moving, even in the last year since the, the gay marriage battle has sort of morphed into something else entirely. What is sort of your take on the speed of that? Well, there are a couple of things that's happened. Number one, we have a president whose bully pulpit has been given wholly and solely to pushing a far leftist agenda when it comes to such cultural issues. And you've got to remember, this was uh, a person who, as a candidate in 2008 at Rick Warren's Saddleback Church in California, explicitly said that marriage was between a man and a woman because it was a God thing, and that was the way the, the biblical record recorded it, and that as a Christian, he accepted that. It didn't take him but three years to come to the place where he not only said, well, maybe it's okay, but became the leading national cheerleader for the idea. That led to the boldness of the court in creating law out of thin air. And, and I think what is disturbing, and it really should be disturbing to those who advocate for same-sex marriage. I know many of them were thrilled to death about the Supreme Court decision, but they shouldn't have been. And the reason is, is because uh, that was a decision that was not a true legal decision. It wasn't based on constitutional law. It was based on cultural pressure. And in the majority opinion by Kennedy, it was pretty evident that, uh, that what he was doing was not saying, look, there are clear indications in the Constitution that marriage was intended to mean same sex. He just came out and said, no, it wasn't that way before, but it ought to be. And, and if it ought to be, then we ought to go ahead and do it. That's legislating from the bench. Uh, that is not just judicial activism. It's something way beyond that. It is uh, when the courts are taking on a role that they were never given under the Constitution, and therefore their decision in itself was illegal and should have been ignored. Instead, it was embraced. Now, the other big thing that happened, in addition to the president and the judicial branch all embracing this, is that 
the pressure upon major corporations in America caused those corporations to totally surrender to the will of a very small minority. And on the day of the court decision, you saw major corporations from Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines, Marriott Hotels, all putting rainbow websites up. The White House was illuminated in rainbows with captions, love wins. Now, they didn't just go out to Home Depot that day and get some lights and throw it up on the White House. That was carefully orchestrated in advance. These corporations had designed those websites so that they could go live within minutes of the court decision. And what we have seen is that corporations not only have succumbed to that pressure, but then they use their power to put pressure on states like Indiana. And when we saw Governor Pence, who uh, capitulated to the pressures of uh, some of the corporate interests, when instead of defending his state's uh, push to give people a freedom of conscience law, he instead surrendered and said, well, there's just too much corporate pressure. It might hurt business. So when you have corporate pressure and government officials resign themselves to it and accept it, it's no small wonder that we've seen this dramatic change. There just aren't many voices uh, who are willing to stand against it because nobody wants to be called a bigot, a homophobe, um, they, you know, nobody likes to, to be ostracized. And by the way, if you want to lose business and, and get boycotted, one of the quickest ways is just to take a stand for biblical uh, truth. And that's a surefire way to do it. But so, we even saw corporations like Chick-fil-A. And, and, you know, gosh, we all stood up for Chick-fil-A back in 2012. And shortly thereafter, the uh, CEO, Dan Cathy, said, hey, look, I'm not going to take any more stands on this issue. I'm done. Even he surrendered. And that was a very discouraging moment, I think, for all those millions of people who had uh, stood with him. Mm -hmm. And yet when it really came down to it, the pressure got to him and he said, you know, I just won't uh, uh, carry my convictions with me anymore in the public marketplace. That was very discouraging. Right. So let me me ask you this. And it's an it's an obvious follow up question to this. How do we how do we fix it? But I want to ask before that. Why do you presume it can be fixed? Or, uh, again, there's one thing to be said about the about faith in Christ, and and none of that can ever be. The church will never go away as far as God's as you know as the bride of Christ. That's never going away. But as far as our government, our country, our constitution as it was constituted, as it was created, why why do you presume it can be fixed? Assuming that you have solutions then for fixing it. Well, first of all, the reason I think it can be fixed is because I think God's a big God. And I just, I've never quit believing that a big God can do big things even when we don't see any way in which it can happen. And if I didn't believe that, then I really would have to just go ahead and surrender a whole bunch of Holy Scripture and say it's really not true. So that's the first part. The second part is that it's not my job to be successful. It's my job to be faithful. Right. Um, when you go back and read the account of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they said, our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, right. he's still our God. We have a lot of people in our culture today who says, well, our God's going to deliver us, but if he doesn't, I'm out of here. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not, that's not Christian commitment. Right. Commitment right. is about fidelity, faithfulness, and the Lord wants us faithful. So, you know, th- th- I've been in many endeavors in my life that didn't turn out like I wanted them to or like I thought they should or would right but it does not release me from faithfulness to it right now before before you start before you mm-hmm. offer some solutions which I, I think are 
our listeners would, would enjoy hearing. The, the presumption that it can be saved, and, it, and I believe that it can, we can't discount there has to be consequences for the actions we've taken. That perhaps going into some sort of, you know, as the Israelites did, you know, 70 years of exile, maybe that's what has to happen as a result of, of our behavior and our choices as a nation. Because, you know, in Jeremiah, we, we love to quote, I know the plans I have for you, you know, to, uh, plans to prosper, prosper you. God said that right after he had told them, oh, by the way, you're going to have some hard times here because you've made some bad decisions and these are the consequences of your bad decisions. But in the long run, we're going to, we're going to be okay. I think that's a very fair assessment. I mean, we deserve judgment. Back in 1975, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Bell Graham made the comment. She said, and and keep in mind, this was 40 years ago. She said, if God does not bring his judgment upon America, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Right now think about how much more it's true than it was even 41 years ago. So we deserve God's judgment, and we may very well get it. We hope for his forgiveness and his grace. But if we do, and we go through that, then once again, I think it'll be uh, somewhat of a purging process. We'll find out uh, when we are through the fire and we are refined who's serious and who isn't. Right. Okay, so assuming assuming then that that we can go through this through this time of exile or whatever or whatever our whatever the consequences of our poor choices are, or our active not just poor choices but that makes it sound like it's almost passive our active decisions to defy God I suppose, what what are the steps that you would advocate either in reaction to this California law or the other things that we can do this coming election whatever that are steps that take us in the right direction toward toward finally making some amends, finally getting our house back in order so that we're ready to be blessed again? First thing I do is to say, be faithful to God's Word, not to the cultural norms. Uh, And by being faithful, be bold. Uh, Don't be reticent and timid. Don't be obnoxious, but be clear that you have convictions, and then express that they don't come from you, that it's not something you're trying to put forth because you're wanting to pass judgment, but with a broken spirit, a broken heart, you stand here because you have no other choice. Mm -hmm. You've committed yourself to the Word of God, and therefore you just don't have the option of picking and choosing. You have to be faithful to that. And and secondly, be prepared to suffer for it. I, I think a lot of believers think that if they take a stand, they'll be applauded, loved, appreciated, and prosper. Oh no, not at all. Right. You will pay a huge price. And a lot of Christians are simply not willing to pay that price. They'd rather be popular, comfortable, approved, loved, accepted in the in the groove, in the in the group, than they had to stand alone. And if a person's not willing to stand alone, you're probably not going to stand at all. Yeah. Hmm. So 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 with this coming with this election that we're facing, are if I remember correctly, you're a, you're you're backing uh, Donald Trump for president, or at least, and you did. I mean, you did in the primary. Yeah. Certainly, you would be now. What is your argument? Sure. Now, Billy Billy would like to throw me under the bus, but I'm going to throw, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and throw myself under the bus before he gets a chance to. I am not. Let me first say, I am not a never Trumper. I am not a rabid yeah. anti-Trump person. I am a right wing conservative evangelical whose whose relationship with Jesus means more than anything in the world to me. And so I have certain convictions and certain certain things about Trump 
that really bother me. And of course, there are things about Hillary that bothers me. What is the argument that should be being made uh, to people like me to convince? Unless I'm willing to be convinced. People like me who are willing to be convinced could be convinced that that isn't a he's not as bad as Hillary argument. Well, I know Donald Trump fairly well, but I know Hillary really, really well. And for me, when those are my choices, it's not difficult at all. Look, we don't have a perfect choice. I tell people all the time, Trump was not my first choice. I was my first choice. Right. But the voters (laughs) didn't see it that way. We knew who your first choice was. I could sit around and pout and say, well, gee, if I can't be the guy, then nobody else can. Right. But that's not how politics works. So I respect the process. I respect the voters. And if the voters of my party have put forth Donald Trump, then I I can say I'm not going to support him. But then I'm giving my support in de facto to Hillary Clinton, which I absolutely will not do. And there are several reasons. Number one, the appointment of Supreme Court justices, which will far outlive anybody's presidency. If you think we're going to be closer to protecting human life, protecting marriage and protecting the Second Amendment, free speech and religious liberty under Hillary, then sit this one out. But I'm convinced Donald Trump, though he's not a Sunday school teacher, I I, I doubt he could quote two verses of Scripture verbatim. Um, He's probably not the guy I would call him at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, I really need your prayers. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, he's a person who respects me as a believer, respects all people of faith, and believes that as a president, one of his jobs is to valiantly fight for religious liberty. So I don't have to have somebody who shares my views. I just want someone who won't trample all over them. With Donald Trump, I will get that. Now, I've, heard, I've had some intellectual people that I respect say, and I, I'm not quoting myself here because I wouldn't consider myself an intellectual person or someone I respect, but I've heard intellectual people who I respect and respect a ton say that Donald Trump is, they, they view him as unfit for office. How do we, how would you, how would I, if I were a Trump supporter, how do I... Um, cure someone of the of those feelings about him because they look at his character and they feel they feel that he's authoritarian they feel that he doesn't have the the appropriate respect for for the constitution and again again he's he's not hillary clinton hillary clinton is you know satan incarnate some would say Uh, i i don't think that about her but some some would say that but that's that said i think it's very unfair to say donald trump is is unfit for office and it's evident that someone who would say that doesn't know him one of the ways in which I've been comforted by the idea of Donald Trump as president is to watch him interact with his family. And I'm not talking about while on stage and in the, uh, in the spotlight and while on camera. I'm talking about backstage when nobody's looking and there's no cameras there. Uh, the remarkable relationship he has with his children that he raised to be hardworking. He uh, told them from the time they were tots, no smoking, no drinking. Um, you know, you're going to work. There's a lot of virtuous things that people, I don't think, give him credit for. Hmm. Um, again, I'm not going to say that I'd ordain him a deacon. Probably wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> but, but I think there's a lot more to Donald Trump. There is a certain bluster and bravado about Trump that, that I certainly understand. But a lot of that is part of his brand. It's how he is able to capture attention, get people to pay attention to his message. And it's quite frankly been very effective. Yeah. So it's, it's, and, and it has been effective. Does it worry you at all or concern you at all? His, 
I think it's a Rush Limbaugh term that he used has used years and years ago. I haven't heard him use it regarding Trump. This idea of get even with themism, like we gotta, you know, we gotta get even with the immigrants. Or the feeling of whether or not he's actually said it, but he has said some things, like his his statement that an eye for an eye was his favorite verse of the Bible, right? That's not how Christians live. That is not that is not an okay way for Christians to behave. Not saying that he's claiming to be someone with a relationship with Christ. I, I don't know his heart and I can't judge it. But I've heard a lot of Christians who who are expressing that same view that he's expressed as far as an eye for an eye, that sort of an idea and principle. That doesn't sit well with someone like me. How do how do I how do I get I, past I how do I get past that? Well, again, recognize you're not voting for Donald Trump because you agree with his theology or that you think somehow that he is going to share your worldview, certainly not uh, the depths of, of your Christian perspective of such things as justice and um, even government. But the question is, will he have respect for people like you and me or will Hillary? Well, I'm, I, look, I can tell you that's a that's one that's not hard. I don't have to do a Google search. Yeah. Um, I know which one is, is going to be very helpful to me uh, to defend my religious liberty, even if he doesn't agree with me. I don't have to have him agree with me. There have been a lot of presidents that, that I didn't have agreement with in terms of uh, spiritual things, but I would at least respect and appreciate that they understood a uh, adherence to the rule of law and that they recognize some fundamentals, that a country has to have protection of its borders, uh, that it has to cause all people to live by the same rules, the same laws. We clearly know one thing about Hillary. She has no respect whatsoever that the laws should be or will be applied to her in the way that they're applied to the, quote, little people. Right. So so what, what has... Um what has what has Mr. Trump said, Mr. Trump? I, I don't. I'm call, I, that's just like everybody calls him Mr. Trump because everybody, we've gotten conditioned to call him Mr. Trump. What has Donald Trump said? What has Donald Trump said that that we could use or that you would use to say to Americans? Yes, he's concerned about religious liberties. Other than responding to a question, how would you feel about religious liberties? Would you protect them? And him saying yes. What has he done or said or or shown to you that says, yes, he would protect those religious liberties? The same things that you and you and Pat Boone have been writing about. Well, I mean, I've had the conversation with him personally, okay. and one of the things he's made very clear is that the First Amendment guarantees people the right to believe as they wish. And it's not just a right to believe and a right to worship, but it is a fundamental constitutional privilege that the government didn't give and the government can't take away. He truly understands that it is not a privilege that the government gives out. It is a constitutional right that's based really on a divine right, that it's the right of our conscience, and government can only protect it, but it cannot regulate it. And he understands that, and, and that's been very clear in the uh, personal conversations that I've had with him. All right. Well, I, and I, you know, we've taken a, a bunch of your time, and I probably have been selfish and taken more time than than we were supposed to. You know, I wanted to get one more take from you, and this is unrelated to Donald Trump, other than the fact that he's not Hillary. What was your take on the the Comey stuff over the last few days this week with the with the with Hillary's email situation? It was very disappointing to see the director of the FBI essentially say, "Sure, she was a public official that lied openly and repeatedly, and was utterly careless with security." we're not going to hold her to that standard. <laughs> we're going to hold a private first class to that standard. Yeah. 
but not to the person who would be the commander-in-chief. I just find that utterly unacceptable and, frankly, very discouraging. If the law doesn't apply to the people at the top, then how can the people at the bottom to respect the law? Right, right. Well, thanks a lot, Governor. We'll, uh, we'll talk great. to you later. Thank you. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my So, in case you all didn't know this already, Billy is going on vacation. And I'm not going Jersey to... Jersey Shore! I was just going to say, I'm not going to tell you where he's going. But he's going where all good Italians go for vacation. So he's Jersey headed. Shore. Now, when you were originally booking your trip, I believe that you were looking to go to Williamstown, Kentucky for vacation. <laughs> but your wife wisely, with her Italianness, talked you out of it. Now, what was I wanted to what go was in Williamstown that you were wanting to go see? Well, Ken Ham. Ken Ham has opened up yet another enterprise in America. It is the giant, enormous, biblically dimensioned. Noah's Ark replica. Is, is that it? I mean, the, the picture that's on this story, that big white boat, is that it? I mean, is that... No, I mean, no. It, right now, but they're going to build... They're going to have a Tower of Babel. They're going to be building this out into a much no, broader... But I mean, is that the actual Ark? Yeah. That, that Canham had built? Yes. Now, yes. my understanding is that the Ark, maybe it didn't have like a, a bow and stern, like we would think of it like pointed, like it was just a box. Is there a well, reason they made it pointy? Uh, maybe just for the way, I don't know. I, look, it's aesthetics, but also <laughs> there's stuff inside of the Ark. It's okay. like a museum, essentially. There's, there are, I think there's 132 exhibits, if I'm, Jeez. if I'm correct. And so it's massive. There's a restaurant on the top of it. it. It's, it's a big structure that you can go in and now the one part that I love is that there are dinosaurs caged up inside of, of this thing. Now, this is, this is where Ken Ham, I think, yeah. loses a lot of people because, there is no flexibility in the 6,000-year timeline for Ken Ham. It is a 6,000-year timeline. Right. Uh, I think 4,300 years ago, he thinks that, that, that the Ark sets sail. There is no flexibility, whereas I think you know, other people are sort of like, well, we don't really know, and we don't have to think that, anim- that dinosaurs were on the Ark. But you know, he, he, he believes they were, and, maybe, and who knows? Maybe they were. But, yeah, who knows? But, but he's getting made fun of by like, a lot of people are pointing out the dinosaurs in the cages look ridiculous in their view <laughs> but i'll give him i'll give him one thing he ken ham stands by what he believes he is passionate about it right. he has been very successful i mean this is a man who has the creation museum answers in genesis and now he's he's launched this and i think really this is a big deal in that it's going to bring a lot of people to the region there. And yeah. if you're talking about bringing out other biblical sentiments i know some people have slammed this and made fun of it it, it is, in his view, a way to try to get people interested in the Bible. And I will say at the time that we're in, it is sort of fascinating that we have two no, big Noah's Ark projects going on. We also have the one from Norway that's going to – the actual Ark that they rebuilt, allegedly. You know, they, they yeah, built the same yeah. thing as he did, but it's actually going to sail from right. Norway to South America. So. No, I was going to ask, is if this – if in an emergency, would this thing actually float and no, be usable? No, I don't think so. Okay, there's nothing like it's not just sitting on these – no, it's beams. a building. I mean, it's a building that looks like the Ark. The other so, one will float, though. And so the, the, and the dinosaurs in the cages. Now, I don't have a, I, don't, I simply don't have an issue with it. Because if you believe in a 6,000-year, if you believe in the young Earth thing, 6,000 years or whatever, you would have to believe that dinosaurs were around at least near the time of the Ark. Now, maybe they, maybe they disappeared before the flood. Who knows, right? 
But if even if he had them on the ark, what what's the big? They don't have to be full grown. They could be adolescent dinosaurs. I mean, that's his explanation. In right. fact, yeah. and, and you the, must have read Answers in Genesis. No, I've not. But the other thing is, no. As far as the, the dinosaur argument goes, and I'm no scientist. I'm no nothing. I, anything that requires smarts, it's not doesn't fit me. You're you're a no noggin. That's right. I'm a no noggin. But like, my understanding is like reptiles just keep growing. And if, if they had a reptilian features to them, maybe they're more related to birds. Now they're saying, I don't know, but when they've just kept growing, so it's just big dinosaur. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, they wouldn't have to be full grown. They could be small. There was no reason to think that uh, other animals have gone, have gone <coughs> extinct in the time since the flood. Why couldn't dinosaur, uh, dinosaurs have gone extinct in the time since the flood? I guess that's my point. I just don't. I don't think we have to obsess about all of the details. I don't know of it, that. Right? It, yeah, I don't know that it matters. I don't know that those details matter. I don't really know either. But and I don't think. But I don't honestly, think. It, but I don't think it's something to ridicule him over necessarily, for for that very reason. In that, so what if it's a young Earth? It, it, then the, if it's a young Earth, then dinosaurs could have been on the ark. And the fact that other animals, other species, have gone extinct since the since the ark, why couldn't the dinosaurs be one of those species that have gone extinct? I'm not slamming young earth, right? That doesn't make him, that doesn't mean that he should be a target of ridicule from, from people simply because he believes that dinosaurs could have been on the ark. Um, I think people have a hard time believing that people and dinosaurs could have existed at the same time. This goes into evolution and everything else, which ham is, has some very strong views on it. Um, you know, I, I think I find the whole thing fascinating. I would love to go and visit it. I was actually going to try to go yesterday for the opening, uh, but just didn't have a chance to get down there. I I think he's a creative guy. I think yeah. people can say what they want about him. I do think, though, when you go back to that debate with Ken Ham that he had, he really did lose some ground in not being able to talk beyond right. the young earth because right. it, it's going to cut a lot of extra people out of the equation if he, you can't get past he that. Had a, you said he had a debate with Ken Ham. Obviously, this is Ken Ham. I meant... I meant, um, sorry, I meant Bill Nye. Oh, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah, so I don't, I mean, whatever. If you believe in young earth, you believe in young earth. If you don't, you don't. You know, that's... Maybe Ken Ham does debate with Ken Ham sometimes. I don't, it's possible. I don't know. It's possible. I like but, Ken, I really like it. My interactions with him have been very good. I like him. But um, yeah, would you ever go to this? Would you take your family to it? Uh, would I pay to take my family to it? And yeah, would make you? the trip all the way there just for this? If it were on the way to somewhere else, I might stop in and ask for complimentary tickets. And I'm complimentary food. I'm flash, sure. Flash my church boys uh, t-shirt and and then say, shouldn't we be in there so we can talk about this later? So, Wait a minute. You just came up with an amazing idea. What's that? Church boys t-shirts. I don't think that... I don't hey, okay, listeners who love I really us, don't think there's Pedro, a we're talking to you, Pedro. I don't think there's a market um, for that. Would you guys buy a Church Boys t-shirt? That's the question. Text us, tweet us. Well, you can't text us. So, you don't know our number. I should give you Chris's, but tweet us, <laughs> Facebook us. Would you let us know a, if you'd buy them. Buy a t-shirt. So I got this in the mail the other day. It's a freebie, a, a freebie pen, and it's got my name and address on there. So you can see that. Ooh, yeah. Anyway, it's it's pens. engraved and it's a really nice pen and it's a special deal for for pens with this company. I don't know. It's here. Anyway, but they're trying. It's they they try to market it to for company. They sell it to companies that want to market and pass things out. I thought about making some church boys pens, but I don't know what I would do with them other than just scribble. So. Well, I think that we should find out if people would buy church boys T-shirts, and if we gave some of the money to charity, because <laughs> that's 
Because that's what we need. It's church voice t-shirts. I'd wear it. Of course you would. You also would go to the Jersey store for vacation. Everyone loves a little Snooky in their lives. <laughs> I do not need a little Snooky or a lot of Snooky in my life. Everyone needs some Snooky. No, nobody needs Snooky. The Church Boys.